And welcome back to your feel-good show right here on Two Oceans Vibe Radio. Now, this, of course, is the show where we cut through the noise and we bring you the best of South Africa. It's the show where we not only talk the talk, but we also walk the walk. Now, I've got the king of comedy on the show with us today. Mr. Mark Lottering, good afternoon and welcome. Good afternoon. Thank you, Colin. How are you doing? Very, very good. Now, I spent about 12 hours trying to find a good introduction and the only thing I could come up with is that he is the king of comedy in South Africa. Well, Mark, well, Mark is just good as well. Mark from Cape Town. <laughs> okay, yeah. let's, let's go with Mark. Mark, I know, I know that the typical question is tell us about Mark, but you know, we know Mark. Uh, the country has fallen in love with Mark and the country's followed Mark's journey. So I'm not going to throw those boring questions at you on the show today. Uh, but let's talk about what is happening in your life with comedy right now. You're one of the first people to take comedy digital and you hopped on that bandwagon and this thing is blown up. Let's talk about that before we get into the nitty gritty. I, I hopped on the bandwagon indeed, you know, because um, I, there, there were other comedians who did it as well. Um, I know Nick Rabinovitz did it, Rob Van Feeden, Scott Poseidonote, and I'm, I may be missing one or two others. And I resisted the idea of, of the live streaming because there is zero audience. And mm. I feed off the energy of the live audience. So I thought that's something I would never do. But um, because we are living through this now, the whole world, you know, is living through COVID right now. There were so many followers online who said to me, Brad, can you please <laughs> step up to the microphone now? We want to hear what you have to say now. We want to hear what your characters have to say now, you know, under these circumstances. Uh -huh. And um, we'd like to see how, how comedy would work now. And, um, and, and then I decided that's what I would do. And oh, wow, you know, I'll show you the A4 page if I ever get to see you. <laughs> I calculated that um, a thousand people, I wanted a thousand people to please tune in and watch the show. And we ended up on 17,000 17, people from around the world um, wow. bought tickets to the show. Um, and of course, they were able to do so until Saturday because the link is still live. And those are just the legal people. I saw on social media there were so many <laughs> illegal people. Oh, you find they them were always, <laughs> uh, They will always dwell amongst us. They will always <laughs> dwell amongst us. They will find a way. And all I can do, you know, I was thinking about it this morning and I thought, because so many of my close friends were furious because they were messaging me while the show was on. I saw messages afterwards that came through while they were going, show um, me, people are, there's a loophole, you know, people are finding ways to see this illegally. And I wasn't furious at all because firstly, you know, those people never really prosper in life. So I just pray for them. Because 70 rand, <laughs> uh, 70 bucks, and you still find a way to get my link in some taxi rank. You know? So, um, <laughs> So I wasn't, I wasn't so annoyed about that because I, this morning I thought about it and I thought, I hope that most of the people who did that were people who really can't afford mm. to see the show because that is the way, um, you know, it should be working anyway for theatre from my perspective um, and with all my shows, I always try to accommodate people who ordinarily would never be able to come to the theatre and we cater for those people so because that does exist that's a harsh reality and and i was i'm praying that that was the case for people who had to find a way to see it and that they enjoyed it and then for the other owens who could afford it 
My brew, your dad felt cold. <laughs> you know, lots and lots of praying going on here with the <laughs> Lots. <laughs> but you know what? Sold out, sold out with your first performance or your first show, My Fellow South Africans. Uh, now, Mark has no doubt embraced this digital era um, during lockdown um, and is, is hosting this online, online show called My Fellow South Africans. For those of you who have not yet heard about this, you have not yet bought tickets, uh, tickets are now available at Quicket. So hop on over to Quicket and search for My Fellow South Africans. Now, back in the day, we called them pirates when they were copying, you know, uh, our local artists' music. <laughs> now they're somehow copying links, so we call them link pirates or something. Um, but there's, yeah. always, there's always a, a way. I think what happened with, uh, you know, when this hit the, the world or the country, most people went into panic. And then there's a few, and I wanted to title today's segment, you know, um, how they, and what we're doing with the series is how they made it, certain artists like, or entertainers like yourself, and others failed. And one of the reasons people make it is because, like yourself, something happens, a crisis takes over, and immediately you go into how to adopt or die mode. And so we want to commend you for that. Uh, now, I, we know we know, you know a few people here and there, and I know corporates are reaching out to you and saying, can you host little private uh, shows for our staff? And so no doubt you're leading, you're leading the way. I, I, yeah, there, there, there are people who are, who are reaching out to me in that way. Um, it's very awkward, you know, for me to... Um, to to do um, particularly for corporates to to do things for for the staff because I get so nervous about it. Yeah. Uh, the reason is that when you say we found a comedian, guys, and this is the comedian, and he's here to entertain you, guys, people sit with their arms folded because <laughs> you know half of the group is going, oh, "Are you serious? We have to listen to a comedian right now." Um, because it's always, it's, the, it's a good idea, two or three people who work in the marketing office yeah, to yeah. sort that out. Um, and then, but there's no guarantee that the rest of the audience, that they really are fans. So that scares me. That really, really scares me. And I try to be very, very selective. I'll tell you a funny story about what, what shook me, which is why I'm even shocked that I did the live streaming show. Just before that live streaming show, um, well, I'd say three weeks prior to that, I, um, a company says that um, they, you know, she'd like me to do a, a corporate little video um, to make them laugh. And these are the details. This is what the company does. And can I tell them some funny stories? And I, re I resisted, I resisted. And then I said, um, because, you know, this camera thing is just weird for me without an audience. And then I said, I'll do it for you, um, but you don't have to accept it. Why, why didn't I do this for you? And, um, and if it's not what you're looking for, then that's fine. So we'd, let's, we'd, let's not exchange money or deposits, nothing. Um, that's how insecure I felt about this medium. And what happened was, Colin, I put this thing together and ultimately I thought it was really, really fabulous because I got into it. And you know, when, you, when you're doing this alone, your friends can <laughs> edit it for you so it can yes. really look amazing because now you can polish this thing. And we sent it off to a... And um, she, sent, she messaged my agent back and she said, oh, no, we were, we were looking for something funny. No, really? <laughs> okay. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, now you sit with that, right? And of course, of course, you speak a language that you'll never speak, uh, you know, on radio or online. But you speak a language yes, yes, to your yes. agent about, about what you think of that client. And 
what and at that point what was going through my mind was i knew it i didn't want to do it she forced wow. me to do it and this is what happens and i should just follow my instinct and stay away from it and then i then i said live streaming no and um, so for me to actually have gone on to do the show was absolute i don't know I, I, now obviously i know it was the right thing to do yeah but um, my producer and my partner and my mckay was pushing me for this and the other reason why i hated um my producer so much leading up to this was that he insisted that everything be brand new that I, because i wanted to do an uh, old show yes that one in which i was confident because, because the way the you know the way these shows work when you go and step into the baxter theater or monte casino theater you get four or five nights to fix your show mm-hmm. and on night number six you invite the media and your friends and the public yes, to really yes. see the polished performance live streaming no such luck you have these <laughs> you have these 17000 people who are tuning in and you know the comments are coming huh yeah. you, in the theater you don't know about what people are thinking the comments are coming they're waiting for you to come on and there's this buzz and the material has never been tried before so if it doesn't work it doesn't work but it works amazing and i walked on and normally when i walk on the stage to get rid of my energy and to get the love from the audience i always scream like away massacre yes and you get a immediate response yes but saturday night i walk on and you're like there's nobody here <laughs> you know wow. and wow. i thought this is how this is how my career ends with 70,000 people watching this is how it's going to end <laughs> wow. but um but fortunately the comedy gods were smiling down on me and things went my way and we have um you know we've received um phenomenal feedback and i think people also understand the medium mm-hmm. and this part of the thrill for people watching this especially if you if you're trying new material is they are knowing we are now seeing something raw yeah. we are seeing something that we will never see again because obviously if i have to do that show again I will iron out all the flaws and whatever, but people yeah. love the raw yes. nature. Yes, he can't. He can't. He can't fool us now. It's either he's really funny, or he just knows how to <laughs> practice, or he just knows how to practice really well. Um, but I think I think the teething phase is done, and 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 that's where you are now, and that's where you have the eyeballs and people are following. I always say this: when people love you, they're going to follow you wherever you go. So you've just genuinely got to be good um, at what you do. Now, I first met you. Uh, we uh, you were coming out of a of an interview at uh, Heart FM, and I was going in, and you were you did a show with uh, Salome. You guys launched that track together, or the track that you wrote. Yes. Um, and I want to tell you a funny story. You, you both came out and you were quite distracted, too, too busy to take a selfie. But she came up and we love Salome as well, Salome Johansson. She came up and she said, let's take a selfie. So this was a very early interview. So none of us were very polished. Okay? I, might be, I might have been a bit more polished than, than you two. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Salome comes up and she says, let's take a selfie. And she puts on this ridiculous Instagram filter where I have long eyelashes and she makes herself look phenomenal. I was like, you can't be posting the selfie. Um, nonetheless, but let's talk about, well, let's take this back a notch uh, quickly, Mark. And I'm not going to ask you, tell us your whole journey. We know your journey. We know your story. We love and follow you. But tell us about 10-year-old Mark Lottering. What was that moment that you absolutely knew that this was where you wanted to go in life? Comedy entertainment was the, the path for you. When did you know this? Sure, there's no, there is no such moment at, at okay. that time. I yeah. think, um, you know, I was, I was extremely quiet, very, very, very quiet. Um, because you, particularly at primary school, I don't think, you know, you, you spend a great deal of time 
thinking about the future. But what I knew at that time was, um, you know, that I was just going to exist. I was just going to be there because I most certainly wasn't good at sport. Um, <laughs> academically, I was no shining star. I, I, was, I was no embarrassment to my parents, but I just sat there somewhere in the middle of that. And you know, your surname's Lottering, so it's with an L. And, and back then, people have this, this list that they, you know, whether you're going to do your art or whatever, so I'm, yes, I'm yes, always yes. in the middle. Yes. And that's where my life positioned itself in so many aspects, you're just there. And um, I, I had very good teachers. Mm. Um, and I think only in retrospect, um, I realized, you know, how, how life-changing that really was. Because there are teachers out there who actually spot the people yes. um, who, they, who they think. You, you are quiet, but you have something to offer. And they take you by the hand and they, they, they kind of have a special place in their hearts for you and they try and guide you in the right direction. Or, so I had great teachers um, who were always very close to me and, and quite protective. Um, and I don't know if that was just the nature of teachers back mm. then because quite a few people tell me they remember the teachers who they loved. They remember them clearly down to um, how, you know, the smell of the teacher. You can remember the wow. perfume of the teacher, that kind of closeness. And, um, and only when I got to, and I even remember when I was at primary school, they had the production of a show called Rumpelstiltskin. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I was, because my, my father was a pastor in a church, everybody who goes to church believes that they can sing. And I auditioned <laughs> for, Rumpel, for Rumpelstiltskin. Oh, everybody, including you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, including me. And, um, and the music teacher at that point said, um, no, 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 the stage is not for you, you know, you can help us backstage to operate the curtains, but um, this is not what you should be doing. Um, I certainly hope that that teachers that are watching today. <laughs> but, um, so that's my life at primary school, kind of very reserved. High school, I was the same, but I think I grew into my own more with, um, I was more comfortable, um, particularly when I got to what is now called grade 10, we had standard eight. I was at Eastfield High, and we had a very close group of friends. Um, and today's still, we're all on a WhatsApp group, you know, wow. people from our class. Wow. And, um, and that, was, that was great for me, I think. Great friends, and there were, there were three teachers uh, who just meant the world to me. Um, you know, I'm Mr. Murphy, my English teacher, um, Pat Jones, my history teacher, Pamela Stade, um, who, who made us, she said we could do drama, after school, even though it wasn't a formal subject that was offered, but she felt that we had that creativity. So, so there were teachers who took you by the hand. And, and that for me, um, not knowing then, I then fell in love with creativity. Wow. Because when Pat Jones was teaching history, she didn't just say regurgitate the textbook. I remember saying, write a letter as though you are existing at the time of the French Revolution. Wow. And, you know, and Mrs. Murphy took us right into reading Dickens and the tale of two cities. And I fell in love with the writing of Charles Dickens, the pictures. So the creativity was all there. Pam Stein did the same for us with reading plays. Wow. So then the seed was planted. My parents believed that I should go and be respectable and study law. If you can put the words respectable <laughs> and lawyer together, we did at that time. So I went off to UCT and that's what I did. But the seed had already been planted for storytelling. Um, while I was studying at UCT, I worked as an usher at the Baxter Theatre. So I saw many pieces of theatre over and over and over again. And that's when I fell in love with theatre. 
Wow. I know you've got this long-standing relationship with Vaxithia, so we'll touch on a few things later. Um, but no doubt, I think pruning, pruning takes place early, and it's important, especially for adults and leaders, to identify those emerging, upcoming, or possible talent in youngsters. Let's talk about that, Mark. I've seen many come and go in the industry. I've seen many imitate. I mean, I can, even today, you can scroll through, uh, you know, down your feed on, on Facebook, someone pops up as an you know, emerging uh, comedian, and then you just see a Mark knockoff. And, and I'm sorry to say that, but that's the truth. Um, so let's, let's talk to the emerging uh, uh, comedians or entertainers. What is your advice to them? Because I always say you don't aspire to be the next Mark Lottering, but become the best version of yourself. So what do we say to them? Um, you know, it's a fine line now because um, there, so, there's a point at which when people imitate you, um, it's a compliment because some people love you so much. And especially now with the, with the platform of TikTok, um, you know, uh, people have been, have gone to uh, young people who didn't know about my work, have gone and they've dug up things that they've been yes. watching with me and they are making it very cool now. They're making it very sexy. They're that. taking it to the edge. And when I watch that, it just, it makes me smile so broadly. And some of it, I, um, you know, I post, I repost on my Instagram and on Facebook and my followers who are my, from my generation, they just go crazy when they see young people oh. and they hear my voice. So that's beautiful. I love that. Um, but the, on the, then on the flip side of that, um, you know, your, your question is what advice would I give to emer emerging comedians? It, it's so important to find your truth and your own voice. I cannot stress the importance of that. And the reason I know that is because I by far am not the funniest person on the planet. But I think the reason why people tune in is because they love the way in which you tell a truthful story. People mm -hmm. love honesty. If they listen to a story, uh, you know, the reason they are slapping their knees with laughter is not because, oh my word, what a fantastic punchline, but it's because they go, that's just like Colin, you yeah, know. They identify with my sister, Yeah, my sister Andrea did the same thing or you know, I was at the supermarket the other day. That's exactly the way the cashier annoyed me. And I have I the love same that. experience. So, yeah. so that's what people say. And, and I get messages the whole day when people, um, you know, they, they, they come back and they tell me stories, um, you know, stories that I told on stage. And they say the same thing happened to them. The queue was long behind them. They were at the parking machine. They had to pay. The machine was not accepting their money. They heard people behind them, like, you know, breathing down their necks. So it's that kind of vibe. And if you if you stick to honesty mm. and if you tell a story and, and there are so many comedians around now that it is so easy to it's hard to resist the temptation not to copy, particularly the successful comedians. And especially even when I'm creating now, I don't watch any stand-up leading up to my shows because the temptation is there to even just follow a, and even not even what the person's saying, just the movement, just the mannerism. A little thing. You find yourself copying because you, you're so in love with it and it's so oh. cool. So you've got to be very cautious. Um, you know, find your own voice, see where you belong and just tell a funny story, but tell it, you know, be authentic, tell it with honesty. And it, it's very, very important that we, that we stay rooted, the comedians around the world, the very successful comedians around the world, they always stay rooted in terms of there's a notion of where they come from. You hear it in their comedy, whether it's from a Jewish household, an Indian household, where you're coming from the Cape Flats, you hear that in the work. 
And that's your truth because no one will be able to tell that story the way in which you can. I love that. I love that. I'm going to, that's my takeaway for the day. Um, find out where you belong and tell an honest story. Just stay true to yourself. That's my lesson or takeaway for the day. I mean, people heard you were coming on the show. Um, somebody, one, one very uh, distinct and profound thing somebody said is, is it just makes all these characters so real. So you're very correct in saying that people have be, began to identify all these different characters that you make real. I know your fans are begging you to bring back a character called uh, Colin the Cashier. I had the privilege of seeing this at one of your shows. I don't really is the girl you see at the shop right store behind it. And, and, and so that's what people have fallen in love with. Now, I, I might have made a, a huge uh, mistake by going on, on to social media and saying, we've got Mark on the show. I'm going to allow people to ask Mark questions. Because, you know, South Africans are going to make this comedic and they're going to just go back and, and, and you know, go to reference something funny. So I was expecting serious questions like, you know, ask Mark who inspired him or, or all this stuff. But, you know, South no Africans way. are a special breed. So, so Tony Cicero... Um, he posted a question and he said, uh, ask Mark if he still has the hairdryer from his very first show at the Baxter Theatre. So wow. Because, so because South Africans always like this, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip past that question. Uh, question. But, but Tony wants to know if you still have that hairdryer. No, I, I think that's a great question. Because <laughs> Tony knows his stuff. Um, he knows his business. He, he knows his stuff. That, that, the hairdryer lives in a poster, which we use for a show called From the Cape Flats with Love. Um, ah. And that show, yeah, that show was a, a takeoff on, you know, um, from Russia with love. So the Bond image on the post said instead of a gun, we had a, a blow dryer. Um, because all my characters, because the, the, the play was about this blow dryer that um, got stolen once one of the characters got into the taxi. So we followed the journey of the blow dryer. So Tony's got a great <laughs> question. So Tony Ten years my senior, so he was sitting in your first show and I was still a little kiddy uh, getting through school. So, so we give that one to Tony. Well, well done for that. Yeah. But let's, 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 let's take this to the heart of the, in, the industry, Mark. And, and I think, and, I, and I, we want to be honest on this platform, I think you're one of the, you're the best or, or most profound um, comedian that I've discovered that has the ability to tell the stories of characters that we meet daily and really cause us or force us to connect with that. And I think uh, that, that has been... Um, you know, a great trait that you have. There we go, Mark. So let's talk about the industry or entertainment here in South Africa. Now, there's obviously been many challenges, but you've, you're one of the guys who's earned your stripes and you've brought you up the ranks and you're still standing, which means that you've overcome those challenges. What have those challenges been and how have you overcome them? What has been your secret to success? I think, um, I've, you know, I started out the, the hard way, which we know in retrospect. When I started out, which is now 22 years ago, um, I remember that year pretty much doing one-man shows with comedy with David Cowell. Um, I remember Alan Committee as well. And, um, and we had to just book a venue and do 60 minutes. Uh, whereas mm -hmm. now you have the comedy clubs out there. You can go to a comedy club and try five minutes or try 10 minutes if you dare. Uh, but we had to do 60 wow. minutes because we just thought that was the way it was done and you had to get a director on board and i'm glad that i cut my teeth in that way in that way um, because because now everything else seems easier everything seems easier for us yeah. you know and and the, the the challenge in the business the big challenge in the business around the world for any comedian is um is to stay relevant to come up with a fresh material mm. and particularly in south africa i find audiences quite unforgiving 
um, you know, you can have a great uh, music. Africans, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, you can have a great song on the charts and go out there and you can perform the same song and people love it. But you go and you tell the same joke. If they've spent money uh, again, they love you, they support you, but they wait for you afterwards or they go into the socials and they go, Mark, it was great, but we heard the story about you and the Uber driver. Oh, yes. So, um, so you've got to stay relevant. Of course, and Twitterverse is not very friendly these days, especially to the entertainers like yourself. It's not. I, the only time I go on Twitter is, you know, with whiskey in hand, um, just to stay <laughs> calm. Although you must go on to your second glass of whiskey on Twitter because then you're going to tweet back. Oh, because it's even a bigger problem. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, you, we... can't, you can't take it too seriously. But the challenge certainly is to stay fresh. Um, you know, always you've got to always be reinventing, um, you know, looking after the brand and not changing it too much. But you have to be fresh with your material. Absolutely. I do believe that. Absolutely. And that's something you've mastered. We've seen you evolve from, you know, stand-up comedy uh, to musicals. And so we've seen, we've been part of that journey. Now, I definitely don't think the kids out there today will survive a, a one-hour debut set. <laughs> so let's, <laughs> let's leave them with the five minutes. But yes, here's the thing that I admire. And that's what we're celebrating, uh, you know, across sectors and industries during this time off. In every industry, there's, there are those few people who, who took this crisis and then saw opportunities and presented that to the world and they did not crumble. And that's something we want to commend you for because you've done that. Um, and I know you also started this little uh, new journey where you're supporting um, the Baxter uh, or Baxter's launched the uh, radio station. I know you're part of that. What, what is that all about? This was the brainchild of Laura Foot, who's the CEO of the Baxter Theatre. And um, we're also good friends. And Lara also directed Auntie Mill, the musical, and now Auntie Mill, it's a girl. Um, just, you know, she's, she's phenomenal. And um, in order to, because the, the, the future of theatre, or rather the future of the theatre remaining open with the, with the chance of you and I to go and watch a play together, and with you sitting next to me, that is uncertain. Yeah. How yeah. theatres will look is uncertain for the next year. So, um, so in order for the doors, for the Baxter doors to remain open, Lada started this campaign whereby everybody's asked to please um, pledge, you know, to give the Baxter 30 rand a month. And um, that, um, you know, if enough people do that every month, they will be, um, they'll have the ability to stay open, um, oh. so to speak. And that's the basis of that campaign. And it's called the coffee campaign because buy the Baxter a cup of coffee because the coffee is 30 rand. Um, and then also there's, um, to, in order to keep us employed and to keep us having an income, uh, me and fellow actors, they have this radio campaign where they've gone back to the old school. Because when I grew up, mm. we used to have stories on the radio. And that is so wonderful for your brain because yes. you're not watching Netflix, you're not watching Showmax, um, wonderful platforms. I'm addicted to those. But the other side of just listening to a story being told in your head, you imagine what the character yeah. looks like. You imagine what the character's wearing, you know, what the scene, and that keeps the brain alive. And it's so great for creativity. And it's wonderful for me, it used to take me into another world. So the Baxter had us now reading poetry, um, plays, um, set work, school set work plays, um, books. I read Yusuf Daniels' book, Living Colored. Um, and I got to read that book. <laughs> And they've got various chapters of it, and you go to the Baxter website, and they will and they will direct you there as to how you can get to listen to these stories. And that in itself is just a wonderful campaign 
as well, earning us a few rands and um, mm. hopefully, you know, exciting the worlds of the people who listen to these stories. I so the, I think I think we're going to see a lot more of of this kind of thing going on, where people are going to. We are all myself as an artist. We are all going to have to innovate. Absolutely. And, um, especially after I did this thing on Saturday, um, I'm now excited because the the camera is suddenly not my enemy anymore, ah, and there are different ways. There are different ways now of telling a story, and I want to bring everybody on board, especially my cast for Auntie Mill, the musical. We want to find ways of perhaps bringing a musical to people, um, you know, while they are sitting at home. There has oh. to be a way in which to do it. So, so the brain is ticking. Um, and, um, you know, we're living in a crazy time, but we've got a, you know, but we are alive. We mustn't forget that we are alive. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's we, a, we have the stuff that we have to do here. Yeah. And it's as simple as it's the same with every major shift in an industry is that you've got to find a way to adapt or you're going to die or fall by the wayside. It's as simple as that. And again, thank you for leading the way and, and showing uh, the industry that it is possible. Now, long before Auntie Moe got into musicals, there was Mark Lotring, the stand-up comedian. But long before that, there was the guy with the dream. What was that dream and are you living it? Phew. Um, the dream, the dream was um, very. What I thought was very basic, and it was always, I would like to wake up one day and know that whatever I'm doing, if I'm calling it a job, that it, that it's something that excites me. Mm. That was always that was the dream. That um, because I've had several jobs. Um, before I, I embarked on this career, and um, and there was always this thing, you know, you're always working for somebody else, yeah. and 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 of the several jobs that I've had, um, two of them were just like fantastic jobs, but it was it's, it's the vision of somebody else, and my pathway has been so, it's been it's been so amazing in that even people who I've worked for, they always saw the side of me where they knew that I needed to be on stage and where they supported me in this dream. And, and that's the way it's always been. Um, you know, I even had, to, I was even in call centers, phoning people about their Fashini and their Markham account. <laughs> and I would, I would never be successful in collecting money. I would collect zero money because I'd always get into the stories of why couldn't you come and pay, you know? Yeah. And then like, people would tell me their stories and I would tell them stories back. And the only reason I stayed with the Fashini group was because they just found me very entertaining, that kind of support. And I eventually worked for an ad agency as well, where I was project managing, but I eventually found my way to, I, I gravitated um, towards the, the, the copywriters, you know, and people writing copy for various stories. And even people there, I was working for the Brian Slingers Partnership, they, they, they nurtured uh, this whole thing, this whole vibe about me, and they encouraged me, I'm still great friends today, so everything led me and took me to where I am today, where every day I'm waking up and I know like I know like I know, and that was part of the original plan, that I'm doing what I'm called to do. I'm doing oh, what I'm supposed to do. Now, when you wake way. up feeling like that, there's no way of knowing what that feeling is going to feel like until you're in it. And oh. I'm in it now, and I've been in this for two decades, and I know that I'm undoubtedly doing 
what I've been called to do. Ah, then it does not feel like work. There's some famous quote about uh, not working a day in your life, but I'm not going to quote that. I think, I think, I think everybody quotes it. And maybe I don't know the quote, I'm pleasing. Uh, but what I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was, I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quoting you as saying that we are living in a seriously hectic time. And what I've always known about our people is that no matter how crazy things get in the country, South Africans will always find the time to laugh the comedian or Mark. Mark says, uh, that's why I've always tried to make people smile on my social media platforms. I think it's important for our mental health. Now, Mark, live streaming, I know it's a completely new experience for you and many others, but where to from here for Mark and what can the country expect? Um, I think the, after Saturday, you know, I've overcome another fear in my life. And it's great when you overcome from fears because then you think very differently. So um, that won't be the last live streaming um, um, you know, kind of activity people will get from my side. The interesting thing for me is how South Africans have taken to it, not just with me, but with other artists. Yeah. So the question is, um, you know, there's a whole group of people now who are going to want to stay home, even when theatres reopen, because yeah. you realise, I can stay home, there's an opportunity to spend 70 or 80 rand, and the whole family can watch. I love that. On yes. One ticket. yes, yes, yes. And, and, and I think that, is, that in itself is pretty amazing. But we have to be mindful of the artists as well. While I got a lot of views the other day, um, you know, there are a, lot of, a whole lot of other people who don't get the same kind of response and, and they shoot. So it's, it's going to be a whole new platform and a whole new way of educating people and making sure that everybody gets entertainment and everybody stays alive as well. So from my side, I will be taking those things into account yeah. um, and not necessarily leave the live streaming platform. Uh, but I, I wouldn't like to, to deny us this opportunity of still being able to go to a theatre. There's nothing like that. Absolutely. So interesting times lie ahead. But uh, because of, of Saturday, uh, my brain is alive and I'm so excited. And I definitely, there are ideas in my head um, that we will definitely be on that platform um, soon, very soon again. So people need to just be out there and, and support us, not just me. The singers, the musicians, yeah. you know, the wonderful musicians that this country has. Check what's happening online. I know Father's Day is coming up. Coming up. Um, yeah, Lukman Isaacs will be doing something. Stuart Taylor's doing a comedy show on Father's Day as well, I think. So keep keep looking and you know, there's a little something for everybody. Keep I love supporting that. us. I love that. And now is the time for us as a country to come together and support um, you know, those in our industry, support our local artists, our local talent, etc. etc. Now, this of course is the king of comedy. One of the best storytellers that I know and one of the best storytellers in the country is embrace the digital era and he's taking the digital world by storm with comedy. Now, don't forget that um to keep or to help keep the doors of the Baxter Theatre. We all love the Baxter Theatre. Theater, and we always want to go back there to watch a really great in, you know, in theatre show. Uh, you can simply pledge 30 rand a month, hop on over to their website, thebaxtertheatre.co.za. And then also tickets to Mark's current show, My Fellow South Africans, are now available at Quicket. His first show the other day sold out, so thousands of people sitting on their devices, cell phones, tablets, all their PCs and following Mark's every word. Now, Mark, I'm going to ask you a very serious question, but before I do, here's my biggest challenge with you. I will sit here and I'll ask you some really serious stuff and try to engage in the serious dialogue, but you sit there with a smirk or smile in your face, and I don't think there's something in my face if I say something. <laughs> and I think, I think that's something really great. But here's, a, here's what I want to, want to zoom in for a second. What is the biggest piece of advice that you've received? 
in your life and in your career? Um, the most important piece of advice that I've received um, in my career was from David Kramer around 16 years ago, where he said to me that I have to make a clear decision, am I going to read reviews or not? And I've got to stick to it because either they're going to matter to me or they are not going to matter to me. Uh, because he saw me read a bad review one day and I was so thrown and I was so upset about it. And, um, and I had to understand, you know, we all built really differently. I'm not built for, I'm, I'm, I think I'm almost way too sensitive to be a comedian, but I definitely am <laughs> not built um, for the story of reading reviews, you know. So you've got to make a decision. And, and so I've not read a um, single review in about 15 years. Wow. Um, and really? I think that's been very healthy. That's been very healthy for me. The, the, I'll tell you something. The audience is the best director you could ever mm. ask for. The audience is the best reviewer, you know, that you could ever ask for. People by going to the box office will tell you uh, whether you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. The sound of laughter every night will tell you whether you are mm. doing what you're supposed to be doing. So I'm following the people. I'm going I love to follow that. the people. I love that's, that. the, that's the choice that I've made. Yeah. I love that. Biggest piece of advice. Oprah gives that advice and she says, never read the comment section. So I love that that has been your, uh, that's been your Do recipe. <laughs> right? Yeah. I love that's been your recipe. <laughs> Do not read the comment section. I love that. That's something I must learn because I spend too much time <laughs> in the comment section. But here's it. And, and again, to those listening, to those watching this broadcast, Mr. Mark Lottering, South Africa's king of comedy, is bringing comedy right into your home where you and the family can now simply switch on your tablet or your mobile device and there you can follow mark's latest work again uh, tickets available at cricket and then also hopping over to baxter uh, baxter theater's website mark's doing some exciting stuff with them uh, a friend of mine did say um and i and i said there's this whole big craze happening with mark and people are buying tickets and it's all over i know the local newspapers and radio has been covering this and i said i don't get it like it's it's, you know, are people spending money to buy? And he said, you don't understand. Just the, the fact that I can simply now buy a ticket for 70 bucks. And this was his words yesterday. I can buy a ticket for 70 bucks and I can watch a complete Mark Lottering show. He says, that's a game changer. So Mark, thank you so much for leading the way. Thank you so much for not being afraid of the digital era. Um, and thank you for proving to us that in the midst of all of this, there are opportunities. Thank you, Colin. I just have to say one thing. The reason I have a smirk on my face all the time oh, yeah. is because I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to get used to this platform where we're all on Zoom. So I keep looking at my little square and wondering how I look by the time oh. goes out. So, you know, I'm okay. trying different angles so that I can perfect it. So that's the smile. Oh, there we go. Smile. Okay, you're, you're forgiven. I was just wondering, like, am I doing, am I saying it's something? It's not you. No, it's not you. Uh, it's me you. looking at the little square. Uh, Mark, again, thank you so much. King of Comedy, right here on Two Oceans by Radio. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you, Colin. Uh, bless you guys. Stay tuned. Loads more happening right here on your Feel Good Show, the show where we cut through the noise and bring you the best of South Africa. And on this series, we highlight those people who are making a difference, those people who are defying all odds, and those people who are proving to South Africans that amidst a crisis, we can still succeed and pave a new way. Don't forget to join us next time right here on your Feel Good Business Show. With me, your host, Colin John Stokes.